0: I invite you to open your bibles to ecclesiastes chapter 11. We'll be looking at chapter 11 verse 7 to 12:8 coming towards the end of our series. We have one more Sunday in ecclesiastes. Um, and then we'll do a series on Mary. And then we will begin James in the new year. But ecclesiastes 11:7 to 12:8. This is a larger portion. And um, given the, the difficulty of some of what's being taught, it would be wise to be in the scriptures and have your Bibles open. But hear now the word of the Lord Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many, all that comes is vanity. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped... Or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Let's pray. Father, we ask now that you would give us insight and wisdom that we may interpret correctly the word you have for us here in your scripture. In Christ's name, amen. Well, as I mentioned, we, we've come now to the final section of our Solomon's instruction, his, his book, before he's going to make his concluding remarks, which he'll do in our next verses in, a, in the following week. And we address a topic that has come up now in several places throughout the book. You may recall in chapter 1 and 2, Solomon began by saying life is not worth living. And he gave us four reasons for that. The monotony of life, the vanity of wisdom, the futility of wealth, and the certainty of death. And then he concludes that section by telling us to enjoy life. Uh, there is nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil well the remainder of ecclesiastes as we have been looking at each of solomon's arguments we learn that he confronts those four reasons life is not worth living under the sun and he turns them so to speak on their head he brings god into the picture um, in light of all those arguments, and he comes to the conclusion, yes, life is full of toil. Yes, there are struggles, but life is also a gift from God. And therefore, we are to enjoy life. That's the message we've been hearing over and over and over again. Despite the toil of life, despite the injustice of life, despite the vanity of life, we can enjoy life if we recognize that it's a gift given to us from God. And so life is to be enjoyed, which brings us to our text this morning. The four problems of life spelled out in chapters 1 to 10 are addressed here with four pictures of life in chapters 11 and 12. This week we're going to look at the picture of life, and that is uh, that life is a gift. Solomon says in verse 7, life is a is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. Now that's a poetic way of speaking. It's a poetic way of saying life and being alive is good. Sweet is a strong Hebrew word picturing joy that each new day can bring. And it's used to describe the taste of honey in Judges. It's it's used to describe the kiss between lovers in the Song of Solomon. It's used to describe the reading and the memorizing of scripture in Psalm 19 life is sweet and life is pleasant and literally that means it's good and it depicts the blessings that the gift of each day of sunlight offers Uh, to see the sun means to be alive and to be alive is good and so life is sweet and life is pleasant well, for us to keep that perspective, that life is sweet, life is pleasant, and for us to understand the urgency of us doing that, Solomon gives us three instructions. Remember last week we were to risk in the midst of the adventures of life, of the adventure of life, but this week we're to, as you see in the title, rejoice, remove, and Remember. And we're going to take a look at each one of those. Rejoice, remove, and remember, we begin with rejoicing. Look at verse 8. So, now this is in light, in light of the fact that life is sweet and pleasant, since life is good, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Then in verse 9, rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Now Solomon begins here by a call to rejoice by addressing those who are old. Now old is a relative term. When I was 20, 40 was old. Now that I'm 56, 75 and above is old. Uh, The point is, those who live many years, and you can define old the way you want to define it, but those who live many years should rejoice. That's what Solomon's saying. Now, there are some who are here this morning who are in their 70s, some in their 80s, maybe some even in their 90s. For the sake of argument, let's conclude that all those times are many years. And so Solomon is addressing you, and he's saying you are to rejoice, Not only because you have more time to serve the Lord, sowing and reaping, as we learned the other week, but also because you had more time to enjoy the sweet and pleasant things of life. Long life is a blessing from God. And so even in old age, life is to be enjoyed. You are to rejoice. And so that's one application. But if we're honest, and as we look at this passage, as true as that is, Solomon's focus here is not on the aged. It seems he brings up those advanced in years in order to contrast them with the young. The focus of this passage is on youth. In verse 9, he mentions youth twice. In verse 10, he mentions them once. In chapter 12, verse 1, he he mentions them once again and then implies youth two more times. And in the remainder of the verses, as we will see, he gives us a, a graphic description of the aging process. And he does that in order to humble and sober those who are young. And so those of you who are young, wherever that may be, we have some young people here today, but we'll just say anybody 56 or younger. um, He's talking to you, though. And the application, of course, is for everyone. Um, uh, The proper way, though, for the young to respond to life is by rejoicing. To praise God for the goodness of life. To praise Him for everything that is sweet to the taste and pleasant to the eyes. See, ultimately, this is a call to rejoice in Jesus Christ. Christ's Word is sweet. Uh, the psalmist says, how sweet your words taste to me. And, and he alone shines brighter than the sun. He is the light of the world, says John 8. And in Malachi, we read that he is the sun, and it's spelled S-U-M, the sun of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. That's Malachi 4. And so our, our sweet and our bright Savior should be rejoiced in all the days of your life. It's an application. Paul says it, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now, uh, according to verse 9, Solomon gives us some balanced counsel uh, for the young uh, who are called to enjoy life. On the one hand, he says, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. Walk in the sight of your eyes. And on the other hand, he says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And so on the one hand, the young are instructed to enjoy the gift of life and and appreciate the freedoms that youth offers. They're able to take risks. As the saying goes, they can dare to dream. They can still be optimistic, as you should be, about the future and follow your heart. And so for those of you who are young, with all your advantages of strength and health and vigor, you're called to dive kind of headfirst into this thing called the gift of life. And yet, uh, this advice is not advocating a bold jump into hedonism. It's not saying do whatever you want and just enjoy life and you can engage in this uh, sinful indulgences, sinful pleasure. Solomon's warning here should be enough evidence of that. God will bring you into judgment. And so he isn't saying you can do whatever you please. I know a lot of young people feel that way. God is a righteous judge, though, who will hold you accountable. You need to remember that. So every time you make a decision, young or old, but he's addressing the young here, a decision you want to follow your heart, you will have to answer to God. Why? Because you live your life quorum Deo. You live your life before God. And so the counsel of Solomon to seize the day is balanced with the reminder that God will render judgment according to everything we have done. That's it. Romans five, excuse me, Romans two states we are to rejoice, but our rejoicing in this thing called life is to be rejoiced in Him. And so, for example, you you are to enjoy the sweetness and the pleasantness of food, but you're not to be a glutton. You're to enjoy the sweetness and the pleasantness of drink, but you're not to be a drunkard. You're to enjoy the sweetness and pleasantness of material possessions in this world, but you're not to be a thief or or someone who covets. You get the point. Youth are to enjoy life the way God intended. How is that? According to his word. In fact, that is the reality. The only way to enjoy life really And all that God has to offer is by enjoying it according to His Word. Well, if we're going to rejoice, which we're called to do, well, then we must also remove. That's the next point. Look at verse 10. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life for vanity. Now, basically what Solomon is doing here is calling you to remove all those things that keep you from rejoicing. The word vexation means sorrow, it can mean inner pain, it can mean anxiety. A vexation is any problem that causes you to worry or concern, it may cause you frustration, something that irritates you or even grieves you. And so Solomon is advising us to eliminate the bad things in life that trouble us in our bodies and our souls, to just remove them. Remember what Jesus said. I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The privilege of rejoicing it becomes a responsibility, your personal responsibility of removing. Now this isn't a call which some people think of denying real suffering. Like every Christian just puts a smile on their face and pretends the suffering didn't happen. And nor is it a call to, to indulge in order to escape pain. And so you just live for pleasure. One writer explains, it's, it's a call to take care of our mental and physical health. It's a basic, uh, wise thing to do. If if we're getting discouraged by various vexations, and if we are tempted, therefore, to become depressed or disillusioned, or we 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 should do what this passage tells us to do: work at removing those things from our life. And so, it's a call to be active, uh, to seek counsel. If you need help in those areas, talk to a friend. By the way, and I think this should be obvious, someone struggling like this isn't less Christian. It's the point he's making. If you're having these struggles, seek counsel. Talk to a pastor. Get the help you need. Most importantly, pray. What does Paul say? Do not be anxious about anything but through prayer and supplication make your requests known to God. And so remove vexation through the power of the Spirit. And through the help of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And through Christ himself and through prayer. And so you need to remove. And so if you're going to rejoice, you're going to need to remove. And, and if you're going to remove, then you're going to need to remember. And that's the third point. And this is the most important point. Remember. Now we first come across that word remember in verse 8 of chapter 11. If a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. The idea here is that when you are young, you need to remember that the day of death is coming. That's what he's saying. And so Solomon is saying, look, risk wisely while you are young. Invest in life now while you are young. Enjoy life now while you are young. Why? Because the days of darkness are coming, are coming when your enjoyment will cease. Life will not always be sweetness in light. Remember the day of death is coming, he says. And to help you remember, Solomon writes a lovely poem about getting old. Uh, and that's his focus for the remainder of the passage. Verses 1-8 to eight are a poem... And, and probably the most difficult verses in all of Ecclesiastes to interpret, if you read the commentators, which I do, um, you'll see that for every commentator, there's a different interpretation. And so, uh, but putting all the difficulties of the passage aside, there is one clear message that he's making, remember God. But not just that, he says, remember your creator. Now, remember means much more than to an intellectual acknowledgement. Okay, wait. Yep, there's a God. Um, It it has to do with allowing that truth that God is our creator to shape our view of life. It's allowing what God has done in the past uh, to shape your perspective in the present. You see this a lot in the Old Testament. Think of some of the calls in the Old Testament to remember. After God saved his people out of slavery, he instituted what? The Passover feast. Why? So people would remember God's salvation and rejoice. In Exodus we read, This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You're rejoicing and remembering. On Mount Sinai, God gives Israel the law. So that they know how to enjoy life according to his will before the Lord. And in in Numbers, we read that the Lord said to Moses, speak to this people. Yeah, he already gave them the law. And he says, look, speak to the people and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments. And and to put a cord of blue on the tassel on each corner. And you're like, "What, what are we getting all these designer concepts for? And he says, and it shall be a tassel for you to look at. And what? Remember all the commandments that the Lord told you to do. And so you shall remember and do all my commandments. You shall remember. He brought them out of Israel into the land of Canaan, and he warned. And if you forget, don't forget. You need to remember the Lord your God, and go, and don't go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I solemnly warn you today. you shall surely perish if you do. That's Deuteronomy. In Joshua chapter 4, the Lord instructs Joshua to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and place them in their first camp. So he's to go in the Jordan, take these stones, put them there. And then what's going to happen? When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial, a remembrance forever. And so the people weren't just to remember God. They were to do that, of course. But they were to remember the mighty acts of God. And the same is true here. Solomon doesn't just say, remember God. He says, remember your creator. He wants every man, woman, and child to remember. The word creator reminds us that God is the one who gave us everything we have. He is the one who gives us many days. He's the one who watches over us. He's the one who protects us. He's the one who acts mightily on our behalf. And see, when we think of him as creator, we remember that he gave us the ability to reason. He gave us the ability to create. He gave us the ability to relate to one another. And so Solomon is telling us much more than just think about God. He's saying, pay attention to. Consider what God has done. And and, and with the intention of obeying his word. See, this is actually a call to action. It's a call to remember and allow that memory to shape your perspective in life. You are a creature. He is the creator. You are not self-sufficient. You cannot act independently from God. He gives life and he takes it away. But remember, remember he, the creator God, gives you life to enjoy and so Solomon says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Now we put all the difficult things about this passage aside, and that's the main big picture lesson. What I want to do now is walk through the passage, and I want to interpret as I go, giving you what I believe of all the different interpretations it is what I believe is the best meaning of each of the images in the poem. Now, the focus here, again, is on the youth, although everyone would be wise to heed Solomon's call. He's focusing on the youth, and Solomon is going to contrast strength, the strength and vigor of youth with the struggles of old age. There are three sections here. All three sections mention the word before. And so when you go through the passage, you'll see before, before, before. And prior to saying before, Solomon calls us to remember our creator. In verse 1, it's stated, remember your creator before. In verses 2 and 6, it's actually implied. That's why you have that that line there. It's telling you that it's bringing you back to remember your creator before. Remember your creator before. Remember your creator. And so that's what we're going to look at. Verse 1, you have a general statement. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasures in them. in them. Now, here, as we just said, Solomon's telling us to remember our creator when we're young because the evil days are coming, when it'll be difficult, if not impossible, to remember. The days of evil are the days of pain. The days of evil are the days of suffering. They are the days when you can no longer put away pain from your body, as verse 10 of chapter 11 states. They are the years when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. And see, it's from that general statement that Solomon now moves to a more specific picture in verses 10, uh, 2 to 6, 2 to 5. Now, as I said, the words remember uh, your creator in the days of youth are implied. And so when you read verse 2, Remember also the days of your Creator. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, verse 2, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. We just read that light is sweet. It's pleasant to the eyes. Well, now in this poem, the, the sun is, now the sun and the light are dimmed. He, he's poetically describing old age, and he's doing it as a storm. The elderly receive one setback after another. And so here is Solomon telling us to remember our Creator when we are young, before old age, because a time will come when life will be dark and life will be gloomy. And from there, things get even worse. And so you remember God early on because it's going to get dark, it's going to get gloomy, but it gets worse. Look at verse 3. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent, And the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. And what does that mean? Well, the keepers of the house are a reference to the arms and the hands of the age that begin to shake at the onset of old age. Strong men are bent refers to the stoop posture of old age. Grinders refers to an old man's teeth. Those who look through windows are dim refers to eyesight. In a time before dental work and glasses, these conditions would make life very difficult. I think I mentioned to somebody the other day. I was sitting at home, and I made the mistake of biting my fingernail. And my tooth came out. It's a it's a it's an inserted tooth. Uh, you know, was something that helped make them straight, and it just fell out. And I was able to go to the dentist the next morning and have it fixed. They didn't have that luxury. And so at a time before then, they would lose their teeth and not be able to chew their food. And, and they would become almost blind without the support of glasses. And that's the meaning of that. The doors on the street represent the loss of hearing. The one rises up at the sound represents difficulty in sleeping. The daughters of song are brought low refers to an inability to rejoice in and, and, and song or even to speak. It says that they are afraid also of what is high and terrors in the way refers to fear of heights and the tripping of falling or falling. The almond tree blossoms refers to turning of the old man's hair to white. The grasshopper drags itself refers to being painfully slowed to a crawl. No more spring in your step. And desire fails literally reads that the caper berries fails. The caper... Very stimulated appetite. And so the meaning here is that man's desire for food fails. He eats but little and begins to lose weight. And then we read he finally goes to his eternal home. It means death is approaching. And so Solomon says, Look, remember your creator when you are young, because a time will come when you'll eat barely. See dimly, hear hardly, sleep rarely, sing weakly, walk fearfully, move painfully, and look deathly. Desire will fade as death approaches. And so that's the call to youth because of this. Now, now in verse 6, we find our final before. And so remember also your created in the days of your youth, Verse 6: Before the silver cord is snapped, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, the silver cord and the golden lamp are images of the preciousness of life. Silver and gold were very precious metals. He's saying life is precious. The pitcher speaks about life-giving water. On hot, dry summer days, water was necessary and the dust returning to earth and the spirit of God refers, of course, to death. And so the, here the image is simple. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth before suddenly the cord is snapped, the bowl and the pitcher are broken and your body returns to dust and your spirit go to God. He's saying remember your creator because the day of death is final and it's irreversible. Remember your creator before you die. And so Solomon gives us this gloomy, poetic picture of the aging process, and he's done it for one main reason. One, it's true, and many of us can attest to that, but he does it so that young people remember their creator while they are young. See, too often the young think they are immortal, that they have eternal life on earth, But the believer knows better. When it comes to life on earth below the sun, what does he say? Verse eight Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Human life is like a vapor. It goes by in a in a flash. So don't waste any time. He's saying, savor the moment. Rejoice every day. Remember your triune God while you're young. That is what he wants. And that is what he deserves. He created you. You're accountable to him. And so rejoice, remove, and remember. That's the call. And let me just say for an unbeliever that may be here. And you hear this. Remember, to remember your creator... It simply means that for you, the first step is to give him your allegiance. To remember your creator for you is to believe in your creator. Never forget that death is coming and God has provided only one way to conquer death. Understand that Solomon has been laying out for us the case of old age, which leads to death, yet death has been conquered, and it's been conquered in Christ. Paul says, O oh death, where is your victory? O oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory, the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christ's life, death, and resurrection conquered sin. Christ's life, death, and resurrection conquered the grave. And so for everyone who believes, if today's your first day or you've been doing it for many years, we do not lose heart, we're told, though our outer self is wasting away. That's what Solomon's been describing. Your outer self, my outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal paul says in 2nd corinthians 4 and so believe in your creator trust christ alone while you're still believing breathing believe and be saved Well, let me close. But let me close by directly talking to the youth. I'm sure a lot of what I said may have been over your head and you weren't paying attention to it and you won't remember it. That's okay. But if you remember anything, I want you to remember this. That God, your creator, has also sent Jesus to be your savior. Remember that Christ lived for you. Leave here remembering that Christ died for you. Leave here remembering that Christ rose from the dead for you. Remember that he gave you a new heart. Remember that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Remember that nothing can separate you from his love. Remember that he is always with you. That's what Jesus said. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew twenty-eight twenty. The many, many years that you still have left in this world as someone who is young will never separate you from his love. He is with you each and every day. Remember, he will always love you. Remember, he will always care for you. Remember that he will always watch over you. He will help you put anxiety out of your life. It may be a struggle you have for a while, but he is with you. He will always help you get rid of those things that would keep you from enjoying life, that is, enjoying him. And he always, always will give you a reason to rejoice. So rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Look to Christ and rejoice. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we're we not surprised by much that was said. We know a day of death is coming. We know that old age can be difficult. And yet, Lord, we still live our lives as, as if we have all eternity by turning to the things of this world rather than turning to Christ to find our joy. We pray, Lord, you enable us all to do that. In Christ's name, Amen.